Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name's Tim. My name is Marshall. Every time, this, this has nothing to do, listeners just skip ahead. Every time I look and I see that wave and I see how strong it is at the beginning mm. and how far, I just feel like I've exploded people's speakers. <laughs> I don't know. If, if you listen to this in headphones and I hurt your ears, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Well, it always looks like on the screen, like when we're watching, because we can see the sound waves as we're speaking. Mm-hmm. As soon as it feels like at that, yeah, that beginning moment, I'm like, oh, Tim's going to be way louder than me. But then when I listen to it back later. Yeah, it's, it's always just it's huge fine. there at the beginning. And then after that, everything sort of pans out. And I'm not talking any louder than I was before. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Speaking of, guess who just messaged me? Who's that? Candace. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> when are you podcasting today? Right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We're here, folks. We're mm-hmm. doing the thing. We finished up our mini-series, mm-hmm. the, yep. the beauty and desirability of the of the gospel and the Christian message series. Um, so that's good. It feels good to kind of get close the book, so to speak, on one thing. And today we're going to be opening up a new chapter. Right. Yeah. As it were. Um, in our approach to apologetics. And this one is kind of more, it, you know, you mentioned earlier on in the year, Tim, kind of the, the, the kind of the, the twofold goal of apologetics. One is kind of confirming our own faith mm-hmm. and understanding what it is that we believe. Right. Um, and then the secondary goal is then using what we know to, you know, to answer the questions and to to witness to others. Right. And so I would say there's a sense in which as we kind of transition from the last part of this year, the the last mini series into this one, we're kind of going from goal number one to goal number two, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, all along the way, there was a lot that that was said that could be applied either way. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. This is directly being spoken to mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah. Presuming that the people listening to our podcast are not themselves Jewish or Muslim or Hindu or New right. Age or whatever. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So yeah. So essentially so Tim dropped dropped the hint there. So essentially what what this new kind of mini series is going to be focused on is how do we interact with people who do not understand and see the world around us the same way we do mm-hmm. who have a different worldview i think worldview is kind of going to be a bit of a buzzword for us over the upcoming weeks because that's really kind of what it is right like it, it the purpose of this kind of mini series is going to be targeted on okay when we get to know our neighbors and we find out you know there's there are ways of finding out you know what they believe and how they see the world how can we better understand where they're coming from and then with that understanding, be more effective in our witness to them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the it so so far we have addressed a worldview. We've addressed a naturalistic secular worldview. Yeah. Largely, would, yeah. Yeah. And I would say that's probably the noisiest opposing worldview out there at large the noisiest yeah. yeah in our culture for sure 
but it might not be the one most common to you personally. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I would say it's probably most common in, you know, certain spheres, academia and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But when it comes to the people who live on your block. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, or you're in your neighborhood or, or people that you work with, um, especially as the demographics of our nation and probably the nations of everybody listening are shifting. That is not necessarily the case. And so there's going to be plenty of people that you come into contact with in right. your life that, you know, don't believe nothing exploded into everything and there's no meaning or purpose or truth in this life, but also don't see and understand the world the same way we yeah. do. And this is particularly true in Canada where we're seeing massive growth through immigration. Yeah, huge. Yeah, right? Huge growth through that. Yeah. Uh, the number of immigrants that are brought into Canada is is just wild. Mm-hmm. And and with them, they are bringing their religious worldviews, not yep. their secular worldviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is useful in, in a lot of places where people have these neighbors yeah. that have, have come in uh, or, or maybe will come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what we'll find, you know, kind of to varying degrees as we examine these different worldviews um, is there is often some degree of common ground, mm-hmm. more or less depending on, 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 on kind of which group we're talking about. And, right. and we also have to kind of give out the caveat right away that like these aren't necessarily monolithic. And what I mean by that is like not just like not every Christian believes the exact same thing, not every Muslim believes the exact same thing or Hindu or whatever. Right. We, we understand yeah. that, but we're going to be kind of out of necessity, kind of using kind of broad strokes for our listeners to understand, I think first, what what these people believe, why they believe it, and, and how it informs their their worldview. And then, and then really thinking about some strategic ways of how do we engage with these people um, and how does the gospel in particular maybe answer a gap in that worldview? Because if we do believe that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, then we have to acknowledge that other ways are left wanting. Yeah, and, and I think it's really important. I remember when I was uh, when I was in Arkansas getting ready to leave for Argentina. I had just started letting some people know in my circle that that's what I was going to be doing. It was decided. Um, and there's a guy that I worked with who was was not a believer. Um, and his his statement to me was, why don't you just leave them alone? Mm. Why don't you just leave those people alone and let them be? You know? Mm. And I thought, two things. One, it's interesting um, that you would impose your view that I should not impose my view. That's funny. Um, always, always good, right? Th- there's just no way around that one, sure, right? It's just sure. a funny thing. Uh, the other thing I thought was, to what end? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Either I believe that this is true or I don't. Right, right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of people take exception to maybe like an overly belligerent or demeaning approach sure. to engaging with people of different faiths, different worldviews. And th- there's, th- there's, there's some truth in that. Like we need to kind of balance truth and grace. Mm-hmm. Right. And the only person who does that perfectly as my uh, homiletics prof 
told us is, is Jesus Christ himself. He's the only one who could do truth and grace perfectly. And so we all kind of, you know, we fall somewhere on the spectrum sometimes where we're a little too, a little too heavy on, on one or the other, right? Truth at the expense of grace and love or grace at the expense of truth, um, which is really what I would say is maybe the dominant trend in Christianity, in Western Christianity nowadays is kind of this kind of like, well, just, just leave people alone. And, or like, you know, you, mm-hmm. you come across videos, oh, we all just really believe the same thing. It's all the same God and people who call yeah. themselves Christians kind of promoting this stuff. And it's, no, it's not true. Um, but, but there is, there is a balance to be had. Right. And the reality is, is that if we do indeed believe that Jesus Christ is the way, like if we believe that he is the truth, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a position of us coming from superiority. Like, oh, well, because we're so smart and we're so wise and we're so good, we know better. That's in fact, the, the Christian worldview prevents us from really taking that position because it's one of uh, necessary humility and a necessary understanding of God's grace um, and not our own merit. But we do understand that like, if he's the way, then he is the way. Mm-hmm. And, and that if he is the truth, then, then the other ways are false. Right. And and we can't get around that, and so we have to stop kind of playing games and pretending like, like that's not something we have to deal with head on. Yeah, I mean, and that's where I I would probably differ with the statement that that professor makes, just because I'm argumentative in that way. Yeah, I know. Um, I would I would differ in that I would say we can be a lot closer to grace and truth than we give credit mm. if we're following the message of Christ. We follow his example, yeah. Right? Yeah. He he taught us what is the balance between grace mm-hmm. and truth. Mm-hmm. I also don't know if it's actually even possible to offer grace without truth. Mm-hmm. To withhold truth is ungracious. That's true. Yeah. Especially if that truth is going to save someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. in, in, other, in other more immediate circumstances. Yeah. Um, you see someone stepping out into the street... Mm-hmm. And you choose not to yell bus. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to yell at the person. Yep. You wouldn't say, Well, I wanted to be gracious to them. <laughs> right? People would say that's right. not gracious. Right, right. Well, and it's impossible for us to and conversely, it's impossible for us to truly communicate the message of grace without at least some grasp of the truth. Because mm-hmm. right. how how can we understand the you know, undeserved favor from God right. if we don't have a grasp of our natural position before him. Yeah, and so I I, I understand fully that we offer truth and love, mm-hmm. um, and we are gracious about how we offer truth. Mm-hmm. That is what he's getting at. I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, think, I think sometimes we have to just be careful drawing those lines too sharply because maybe they're not as sharply there as we pretend they are. They're kind. They kind of walk step. Yeah, yeah. I think I think his his motive was you know we we have to continue to be aiming aiming for the middle and understand where we we're coming from. Like understand where you're at. You know, are you kind of on the more combative side at the expense of treating others with dignity and respect, or are you the kind that's so desperately wanting? to quote unquote build relationships and, 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 you know, that sort of thing that you're not going to risk those people's favor by speaking truth. 
right? And I think that that's kind of what he was getting at, right? And I think those are realities for for all of us, and I think we can all wrestle with that to some degree. So mm-hmm. I think that was more where he was coming from. Not that there's a di- like a, a dichotomy between the two, but yeah, yeah, but just under more about understanding ourselves and how we're how we are wired. Um, so Lin- yes, Lindsay just called me. By the way, that's great. I love it. Um, Can- Candace will appreciate that. Yes, that's good. Yeah, Candace, you're not the only one. Um, okay, so yeah, so as as we've kind of chatted about, um, we're going to be addressing. We're going to be taking the apologetic question in response to varying worldviews. And as you mentioned, yeah, we've already really addressed the naturalistic worldview. So I don't know if we will need to do an episode on that. Although there are there are kind of deviations of that kind of offshoots of that that might be worth addressing later on mm-hmm. in the series but we'll 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 get it there when we get there um but worldview so there's different ways of defining what a worldview is um i'll give a like a very like casual definition and if you want to give your own or, or fill in the gaps i think worldview is just the the kind of the baseline of Things that we believe that are true that inform how we understand ourselves and the world around us, right? Those core beliefs yep. that that kind of touch on everything, whether we recognize it or not even sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, does that make... That seems... Or how would you... Yeah, it's, yeah it's, the, it's, the, it's the basis on how we answer what is and why it is. Yep. 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 I think that, yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. So, so understanding this, that, that everyone has a worldview, even people who will claim to not have one, have one. And in fact, mm-hmm. claiming to not have one is one of the worldview. <laughs> like it's just, it's like, you can't escape it. Like everyone does have it. Now the waters get muddied and reality, the reality is this is like, we could, we can, we can do two things. And we should do two things at the same time. One, there's a sense in which worldview is an individual thing. Each individual person is, there's going to be nuance to some degree Mm -hmm. in how they understand and relate to the world. But we can also group worldviews together. And in fact, there's even certain uh, different religions that would arguably fall within a similar worldview that are not distinctly different in their worldview, maybe in the ritualism, right. but not in worldview, sure. Sure, right? Sure. So for example, like Hinduism and Buddhism, while while different in their practice, are are very similar in worldview. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll get to that at a later at a later episode. Yeah, I would even say the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church. Yeah. Yeah, like there are there are theological distinctions, but there's also some some very significant commonalities. The, the commonplace being, the church is everything. Yeah, the institution of the church. The, the differentiation is, who is the church? My church, not yours. <laughs> I, the Russian one, not the Italian one, um, right. or the Greek one, or whatever. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> so here here's here I'm going to kind of break down. Because this, I think this is kind of this introductory episode is going to kind of address, look at the questions that worldviews answer differently. And while we're not going to get necessarily into how different worldviews answer those questions, look at some of the big high level subjects Mm -hmm. that differentiate between worldviews. 
is is you know one of the things I think we should we should do. So the first one we should start as as good as good Christians um, is what does your worldview say or not say about God? Right, right. So that is a question, right? So so some worldviews do not account for him. Many worldviews do. Who who or what is God? Yeah, and, and I think, boy, I, I I wonder if I would just erase the not say. Mm. And just leave it with what does it say about God? Yeah, because it might say he doesn't exist, right? right? Like the, every, it's still a statement. That's true. It's that, still a holding. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, because secular worldviews still make statements about God, which is mm-hmm. always I think interesting. Is like there's a necessity to answer that question, even though they say there's no real reasonable, you know, explanation mm-hmm. for 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 his existence. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think it's wrong for them to say. It's such a predominant position that it requires us to answer it because it's a common position. Right. 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 And so sometimes people will say, why do why are atheists so consumed with the fact that there's not a God, but they don't talk about the Easter bunny, right? So because they're not being inundated regularly by people who insist that there's an yeah. Easter bunny. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they don't need an answer to that statement. And and I think that's fair. Yeah. No, I, that's fair. I mean, I do kind of chuckle sometimes at like just the hatred that people have for a God they don't believe in. Mm-hmm. It, it, it sometimes there's just like this vitriol, not not with not with all secular people. This that we don't want to lump them all together, but with some, it's mm-hmm. interesting. There's like there's like this anger directed towards this being that they will swear up and down does not exist, and it just it it, it boggles the mind a bit. But oftentimes the frustration mm-hmm. is is directed more towards those who are claiming his existence or. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, what do we say? What does our worldview say about God? Uh, very generally, right? And, and and as we'll find, there are different answers for that question. Not just the God of the Bible or figment of imagination. There are a lot of different answers to that question. Mm-hmm. The next one is kind of uh, broadly metaphysics. So metaphysics, uh, again, fancy word, but don't be scared off by it. I'm I'm not an expert in this either, but. Um, you know, why does the universe exist, right? Why why is there anything, right? And we, we've touched on this a little bit, kind of comparing the naturalist answer, but there's going to be different answers and different worldviews for this as well, right? Is the universe eternal? Is it a closed system? So are there outside forces that could impact the universe or is the universe kind of its own thing? Um, are miracles like possible, right? Is, 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 is there such right. a thing as supernatural forces? Yeah. And I think people, people hear this and you might be a little bit scared off by the whole, like, you mean I have to walk up to someone and say, how do you answer the metaphysical question? <laughs> yeah. no, no, this is as easy as like sitting in your backyard, sipping a tea and having a, a bird fly up to the tree and going, look at that. Isn't that pretty? Where do you think all of this comes from? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that is asking the metaphysical question. Yeah. No, it totally is. Right. And it can be done in a casual and genuine way. I think that's the other thing too, is like, we should, we should also just kind of throw out there is as we get to know our neighbors, and even if we have this desire to share the truth of Christ with them, like there should also be a genuine desire to get to know them and where they're at. Yes. If you ask that question, genuinely ask the question and genuinely listen to their answer. And genuinely care about the answer. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a heart thing Yeah. on you, yeah. right? The Victorian pastors used to use this saying a lot, and Marshall and I use it a lot as well. 
uh, about hammering the nail yeah, and continuing yeah. to hammer the nail. I love it just because it's such a visual thing. Sure. That we've, we've all hammered the nail and, and it's in, but you hit it one more time and then the wood dents in around it and you just keep pounding it until <laughs> you've just beaten the board to death. And so it's just such a very visual picture, but I think that the nail that I would hammer at risk of the board today is ask questions and care about the answer, right? Mm. We are not, we're not trying to teach you how to set up your friend for failure. Yeah. We're not trying to set up your aha moment. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to set up a gotcha, mm-hmm. right? Your friends are not your project. Mm-hmm. They're not your enemy. Mm. They're not your opponent in this opportunity for you to flex your valor and your capacities. They're your friends. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. your family. Mm-hmm. And your job is to love them in the same way that Christ does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Care, care about where they're at, mm-hmm. not just about getting them to where you are. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity to get to know people really at their core, too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much that can dominate our conversation. You know, things that we might like to talk about, but in the grand scheme of things are really fluff, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the NFL season's about to kick off. I like I like football. I'm happy to talk about football or whatever else, right? But at the same time, like, if you really want to get to know someone, these are the kinds of questions that, like, you can really, really get to the heart of someone and really understand how they tick and how they work, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, so beyond the metaphysical question... because I, I, Oh, sorry. Yep. Before we move on. Yep. There's there's a potential for a really genuine moment in this. Mm. If if you ask the question, if you ask a question like where do you think all this comes from? For them to just look at you and say, "Why do you ask?" Mm. And then you have to decide. Mm. Are you going to be able to sincerely say, "I just want to know what makes you tick?" Mm-hmm. Or are you going to have to admit, "I asked because I'm going to change. I want to change your mind, right. and I don't know what your mind is I don't yet. Even know what your mind is? Yeah, I don't know what your mind is yet, but I know I want to change it. So, mm-hmm. if you could just give me a couple of clues, mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. uh, pull out my yeah. little pack of index cards, and I can figure out which question I'm going to go to next. Right? right? My right. Uh, as if <laughs> as if your conversation is meant to be those sort of like uh, engineering flowcharts. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that's yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. So the next, the next kind of uh, group of questions, and again, there's going to be some philosophical terms, but we'll, we'll do our best to define them. The next is in regards to something called epistemology. So epistemology might have been something that we've, we've explained in, a bit in the past, but um, essentially it's just kind of like the theory of knowledge. So like, hey, like, can we, can we even know what's true, mm-hmm. right? Like, can we, can we even trust our senses? You know, is our consciousness just... A material thing you know is is truth relative to the individual or society or is there objective is there is there are the things that are true no matter what or you know um can we and, and is it possible to receive truth from well we would say god but even you know divine being higher power whatever you want to call right yeah. if, if they even exist right is that is that possible like how how do we understand truth and knowledge right and so that's that you know that's another that's another way to go because again depending on how people understand the question that's going to inform how we interact when we're talking about serious things 
right? Like, is can something be, at least to this person, can something be demonstrably proven, or is it, you know, is is truth just this individualistic, subjective, personal thing? And that that matters. That matters in in how we interact with one another and how we're going to understand. You know, even apart from even like evangelism and apologetics itself, even just like knowing that about someone, like, oh, okay, so. That that's good to know, mm-hmm. right? If someone's right, like, right. "What's what's true is what's best for me," okay, well then I'm not going to lend you my credit card, right? Like it's, like it, I mean, that sounds a little harsh, but yeah. but you know what I mean. Like there's there's going to be like it's it's just going to help us understand again, help us understand how people operate, how people see the world, mm-hmm. how people understand what's going on around them. Yeah, because we would say things like, of course we can know the truth because I can go out and I can study it and I can find it and I can discover it for myself. I have mm-hmm. the ability. Mm-hmm to weigh the options. Mm-hmm. That's a very Western mindset. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? That's a that's a Western mm-hmm. mindset that has come from hundreds of years of democracy and privilege. Yeah, that's rationalism. It comes out of the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. and there is validity to it. I think there's also limitations to it. Um, yeah. Right? It's not the be-all and end-all answer that a lot of people claim that it is. But again, yeah, look, you're, if you're talking to somebody... You know, who grew up in Tibet, they're probably not going to see the world that way, right? That's probably not how, ha- probably, again, because these aren't, I don't want to be monolithic in this, but but people from different parts of the world are not necessarily going to answer these questions the way that you anticipate, right? Right. Um, the next is ethics. So what is the right thing to do, right? And, and how, how do we even come to understand what is right and wrong, right? And can we apply, is it right... Is it right to apply our concept of rightness and wrongness on other people, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and do we come to our understanding of what is true and right, what the right thing to do and what the wrong thing to do? Do we come to that understanding? Is it like, is it obvious? Is it the same way we come to like we approach mathematical problems, or is it more complex than that? And and so again, like what is right, what is wrong? What is your basis for for those things? And you know, and is something is wrong here? Is it wrong over there? And why or why not? And these are again, these are just these are deep questions, but they're they're really great questions. Like if you yeah. have the opportunity to ask people these questions, like it makes for great conversation. Yeah, they're they're important questions because without them, uh, without them, you can't really know a person. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you, you not only understanding what they think, you understand where you might be aligned, even though your worldviews are different, where you might mm. inter, intersect. Right. I think this is a really, this is, the, the go-to place for this is right there with Paul, mm. right? Yeah. When, yeah, he, yeah. when he's there in Greece, and he's... It's a, it's a very famous, very used speech where he's talking to them about all of the gods that they have there that they're worshiping. Mm-hmm. And he's able to, to draw a line. Hey, you know what? I also have a, a belief in supernatural. I believe in a god mm-hmm. in, in the same way that you guys do. And, and you recognize that even amongst your gods, there's a gap. Mm-hmm. I, I have an idea for filling that gap, right? And it becomes a bridgeway into what he's going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But sometimes... It's an opportunity to to say to someone in a different way, um, "Hey, we 
we are differing on this and this matters. This is important. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's what the entire book of Hebrews is about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. These people that were saying, uh, I'm experiencing persecution from my Jewish family, Mm -hmm. uh, Jewish community based on becoming a Christian. I think I'm going to go back. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just one person, but what seems like Mm. a large group, if not an entire church full of people making that decision. And uh, and he's able to come at it and say, no, listen, there is a better option than the option you're putting forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think the, the interesting thing with Paul, again, because throughout his missionary journeys, he's he's interacting with people who have different worldviews mm-hmm. and who have different approaches to to life. And so obviously from his own his own personal kind of Jewish ancestry, he, he understands that system. He gets that. Yeah. And so like he's able to use his understanding of that to be a witness, to speak the language of, of those people as he's witnessing to them. But he clearly also has an education in Greek philosophy. Yeah. Like yeah. you can just and, and, and not only do we read accounts of that from Acts, but like you know, when you dig when you really dig into like even the the literature of his epistles, you're like, oh no, this guy, this guy gets it. This guy studied Plato, like he mm-hmm. knows him, mm-hmm. right? And so, so he's interacting with the Greek mind or the Roman mind or the quote unquote barbarian mind in 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 different ways depending on his context because he's put in the time and effort to understand these people and understands you know again how they tick, right? And is is able to build bridges based on these common understandings, this common ground that they have. Um, yeah. So the, the the next section, and this is kind of the, the last big kind of big picture group of questions, is anthropology. So this is centered around like human beings. So who are, who or what are human beings? Um, where do we come from? What's our purpose? Are we free to make choices? Or are we just slaves to our animal instincts? Yeah. Right. Um, are we only? Are we merely physical beings? Um, does our existence end with physical death? Are, are humans inherently good? Are we inherently evil? Um, all these kinds of questions around humanity, and this yeah. is another big, big bucket of questions. It, it is, and it's another one that really opens itself up wildly in wildly natural ways. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, to go with our our earlier picture of just two friends sitting in the back watching the a garden uh, kind of thing, just in that conversation, you know, talking about you know where these things come from, kind of a thing. Just to, where do you think we fit in this? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Why are we here? And and to be honest with you, this one this one might feel big, but it probably gets presented to you in in ways that you don't even recognize it. When people say things like, um, "Man, mankind is just destroying," right? Mm-hmm. Um, or I wish people would just mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It opens the door to ask questions. You wish people. Why do you wish people would do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's what's the goal there? Or why 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 are why is humanity so destructive? Like why why do we not live in harmony with our environment mm-hmm. in the way that we or that at least this person thinks we should, right? Yeah. Yeah, these are I mean, these are meaningful questions. And and again, like these are great conversations. Like and I and my like I think a lot of people 
I, I, I love these kind of conversations when I get to have them. I have a cousin who now he is a he's a double major uh, doing his master's, I think, philosophy and psychology and raised in the church, not a believer. I'm going to see him when when I'm on, on my trip uh, mm-hmm. out east. Yeah, yeah. I love this guy. Right. I love this guy because he he has a pretty good grasp on what I believe because he's been churched. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's deeply steeped in in philosophy and, and psychology and so like man the conversations we have and uh and and they're they're really really great and like i would love to see him come to faith and and i i you know i even just bringing him up in conversation is a reminder to pray for him but uh but man like these these are life-giving conversations when you're able to get them because you just really get to the get to the heart of who who someone is and un- really understand them and and it's just really, it's really meaningful and powerful to, to have these interactions. And I feel yeah. like, again, I know I already kind of mentioned it, but I feel like in some sense, sometimes our, our society is kind of hardwired to like emphasize the fluff. How's your day? What do you do for work? Like what sports team do you follow? Look at the weather. It, it you know, yeah. oh, the weather's being very weathery today. Oh yes, right. it is. Right. Like Canadians apparently speak, statistically speak about the weather more than anyone else on the face of the earth, which is hilarious. Also makes sense because our weather is so varied, but like, it's just like, there is so much more to talk about. There is so much more to talk about. And, uh, anyway, so my hope, one of my hope, I mean, obviously our hope is that our people would, the people listening would be encouraged and, and, uh, inspired to, to, you know, to, to be better witnesses of their faith, but also just, you know, as a secondary thing, just like, just get deeper with people. Yeah, like that's hundred percent. Life is just better when you get you're able to do that. Like it's it's awesome. Um, yeah. Get get past some of just the cordialities. Of yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's like you know, it's, oh, how are you doing? And I, I, when people ask me that question, I'm always like, should I answer the question? What do you, what do you want? Like some part yeah. of like, should I answer the question or should I just say, oh, not bad. How are you? You know. And it's like, do you oh, want to know? know? Because I can talk about that, right? And yeah. it's, some of yeah, it's yeah, good, yeah. some of it's not so good. And like, yeah, so I just, I, I long for that. And I, and I see that, you know, I mean, I know we can sometimes romanticize the past and we should be careful of doing that too much. But sometimes when you, you know, when you come across correspondence between historical people, it's like the stuff they're talking about and the way they're talking about it is just so profound. And I'm like, man, like, Maybe maybe we're just too distracted. Maybe we're too busy. I, I don't know what it is about our own culture and contemporary society, but it feels like we've lost that a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, we, and it's part of what it, what it means to be human, to think deeply about things. And Anyways. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be learned in the court of conversation. Mm. The classic line of, we don't talk about politics or religion. Yeah. Right, yeah. it's like those are the most interesting things to talk about, though. <laughs> yeah, but what but what happens? What what can happen? the The point of it all, the mm. point of the statement, is to say, well, that's where people get. Uh, that's where people are most passionate, mm. which means you're most likely to really offend or upset. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's also where people are most passionate, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's the opportunity to hear where they're most passionate. Yeah. Yeah. And and to delete that from society mm-hmm. to make it out of bounds mm-hmm. is to leave people to their own minds on politics and religion mm-hmm. untested 
yeah, and unchecked, mm-hmm. and in in some regards, it's kind of where why we are where we are. Yeah, it's true. Where in in both of these, there's such an anything goes kind of a mindset throughout all of society. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like I like to watch. Uh, social experiments things that that people do on on youtube Mm -hmm. um been following this one where through a series of questions people find themselves at least in this particular region just saying well we don't talk about these things Mm. you're not supposed to ask Mm. and uh and the interviewer will often say who told you that Mm. and his they'll be like well I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, where, where have you heard we're not supposed to talk about this? Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's just a thing that we can't understand, so we're not supposed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is like, and that's why you don't know anything about it. Right. And that's why wrong persists. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because yep. no one is being held in check. Yep. There is no court of, of public conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah, it's true. And that is that is in more of a political context. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, even, but but the same holds true with mm-hmm. religious discussion as yeah. well. I, I mean I had one I had a I had a discussion like that uh, yesterday. So I have um, an aunt visiting up from the States and her husband love them. They love the Lord. They're definitely not of the same kind of camp. We could mm-hmm. say definitely more, you know, quite charismatic. And so we had a pretty frank discussion about kind of where we differ on things. Yeah. And and it was biblical and it was scripture being quoted on both sides. And it was but but I think what made it really um what made it encouraging and made it, you know, what what kept it good was I think everybody was coming at it with with a measure of grace, being yeah. like, I know we don't see eye to eye on this. But this is a good conversation to have. Right. And I stepped away from that conversation feeling like, you know, there were things that I said that resonated with them. And there were things that they said that resonated with me really like deeply. And, and, and I think, you know, I would like to hope that we all came away from it better for it. Right. And, and there are certain areas where, you know, we're, we're not going to agree. Sure. But I mean, man, it was, it was just a profound and real conversation and, and it was good. It was challenging. It was tricky. You know, you had to kind of give ground, take ground, but it was, it was really, it was really, really good. And, and I think sometimes, yeah, we can just get in these situations where if we know that someone doesn't agree with us, we just refrain from having any deep discussions. And we only have those deep discussions with people who believe the exact same thing we do. And then we get stuck in these echo chambers. And I mean, you want to talk about echo chambers, let's look at, you know, the political parties, echo mm-hmm. chambers, right, right, church denominations, echo chambers, right, right. Like we have to be careful of this and, and it's not, it's not good for us. It's not, it's not good good for us i think spiritually even um but anyways now we're, we're totally off topic now. no no I, I don't think we are off topic um because even while you were saying that i was thinking about the number of times that i've shared my faith with people who were entirely opposed mm. to what i believe or or somewhere adjacent but not mm. in line with mm. um i remember sitting down with a sikh man uh sikhs believe in one god they do uh, so they are monotheistic. In fact, to hear a Sikh describe God, you just sit there and nod till your neck hurt, mm. right? And all of their prophets ahead were saying, this God will be known 
mm-hmm. but we don't yet know who he is, mm-hmm. right? The amount of knowledge that they have about God is fairly profound, right up to the point of who is he? And at that point, they become... At, at that point, they're just agnostic. Right. Right? This is what we're looking for, but who has ever known a thing like that? Mm. And I, so what I said to him was, even, even if the greatest prophets of your faith weren't able to construct who this person is, mm-hmm. I, I will grant you that they can't. Mm. Is there opportunity for that God to reveal himself and make himself known if he is all of the things that you say he is? Absolutely. Mm. Well, ostensibly, one has. Would you like to do the work with me to figure out whether or not these claims could be true? Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And there we, we had conversations about where we differ. We meet on a, in a common place, and we're like, hey, here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with Jehovah's Witness and Mormons mm-hmm. in these same lines. It's like, share with me your favorite Bible verses. You know, it's very, um, it, it, it's not, it's not as, as combative mm-hmm. when you talk about it that way. It kind of surprises them to a degree, right? Because they're, they're ready and, and armed right, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it becomes a disarming to both. Um, I even had one, and he was like, I'm speaking next weekend. Would you like to come? Right? Cool. Uh, we had a chance to, because we met, we met probably four or five times just mm. uh, getting to know each other. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of value in just spending time listening to what other people think mm-hmm. and weighing it against what you think and against what you know to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I, I know that there's an argument you, that you could say, well, all of these people have done this as well, and they've come to a different conclusion. Um, yes and no. Not all of them have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if we're afraid that we might come to a different conclusion, then what are we afraid of? <laughs> right. are, we, are we afraid that... Afraid of the truth? That truth can't be known. Or that God is not truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that is that why we're afraid to step out there? I yeah. mean, come that's on, big, guys. At that a, point, where is our faith? Right. Yeah, that's a big problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so yeah, I, I would say I would say this is a brilliant exercise. Mm-hmm. And and I was talking to someone just this week. It, it's of all of the things I hear as a pastor, maybe the most common thing that I hear people say is. I'm afraid they're going to ask a question I won't know the answer. Mm. Right? I'm afraid I'm going to get into this conversation. They're going to know more about what they believe than what I than I know about what I believe, and they're going to ask me a question, and I'm going to be left empty-handed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, I, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation on ourselves. Right? Um, people who hold a different worldview, if we are just going to throw back to the amount of time we spent this year in a secular, naturalistic worldview... Um, bump into the random person on the street, whoever it is that you have sitting next to you in the office, uh, friends or family who aren't believers, and you're to call them up and say, um, 
the boundaries established by quantum mechanics in a naturalistic worldview, where do you think exactly these sorts of boundaries come from? They're not going to be like, oh, well, I was just reading about this last week. These are the varying <laughs> positions, and this is why I hold the position that I hold as a secular naturalist. Right. Right? They're yeah. going to look at you and go, I don't know. Mm. Get back to work. Yeah, right? Right, yeah. Um, and, and so we don't, we don't always need to have that position, too. Also, I think there's a level of approachability that comes in not immediately knowing an answer that's valuable in these conversations. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right, where if you're always just armed with a comeback, yeah, eventually it doesn't feel like a genuine conversation. Right, right, right. Eventually, you're going to to them to feel programmed. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. yep. And they're going to be like, "Wow, you know what? This is scarier than I thought it was." Yeah. Exactly. And yep. Yep. and for you to be able to say, "You know what? I don't know. That's mm-hmm. a really good question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's look into it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and to be able to say. See what you can find. I'll see what I can find. We'll get back together and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Go get some help. Yeah. Find some answers. Hear what they come up with, what they think is feasible and not feasible, and work through these things. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. And 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 I think, I think too, having these conversations, people, maybe the most common thing that I find is people think they know what Christianity believes in a way that is just wrong. Right. And that's why they've rejected it. Mm-hmm. You and I have both seen this in funerals. Funerals are a great place to see this. Oh, yeah. Believers want you to come in and preach a sermon about Christ. I'm going to have family there. This is the one chance. Do the thing, right? And you you craft a sermon that brings honor to God and explains the Christian faith. And you can do that in such a way that causes that person who who came to the funeral thinking, if I can just get through that guy's sermon, then I can get back to mourning and spending this special time with my family. But that's the one thing I'm just going to have to stomach. Right. And you can present the beauty of the gospel and the Christian worldview in such a way that causes them to go, listen, man. I don't know what that was, but I know I liked it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those people will have conversations with you afterward. Yeah, they will. And uh, it all comes from just figuring out where people are and meeting them there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so just a couple, a couple more things to kind of keep in our minds, you know, as we walk further into this little mini series. And and as we kind of uh, approach conversations with people, a few kind of factors at play to be aware of and and to be aware of in ourselves and also that these things exist in other people. The first is the the concept of presuppositions. So these are the beliefs that we bring to the table, right? These are things that we assume to be true. And sometimes things that we or other people assume to be true, whether we've tested them or not. She's like, well, yeah, that's true. That's just my presupposition. Like, it just is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm trying to think of an innocuous example, and I can't. <laughs> like, okay, so for example, oh, okay, please, this is not an attack against you or your countrymen, Tim. But like, most Americans, you're like, what's the best country in the world? America, like 100%. Like, it just is, right? They just they come with that presupposition. 
because of course it is right and like has that been tested like is it demonstrably true i mean all you can come up with all sorts of answers you can you can you can look at it in some ways and say well of course it is in other ways well of course it's not but there's some there's just certain questions you can ask people that based on where they are or where they're from or what you know whatever their background is are just going to be like but this is just what it is this is just my mm-hmm. presupposition this is just true Right. Yeah. Can I, I can I throw one in? You can just to throw some some yep. fuel on it. Yeah. Uh, you could also ask Canadians: Do Americans think they're better than everyone else? <laughs> and Canadians, without testing, will say yes. Yes, they do. So you just practiced <laughs> your oh, own. I know your own presupposition. Yeah. Which was delivered back to you. Yeah. I'm just I'm a war movie buff, and I've just watched too many war movies where the American heroes like. There's like no one else. It's like it was just like America against Nazi Germany, and, who, and no one else showed up. Where were those movies filmed? <laughs> no, who, I know that's who what paid for them. No, I understand, but right. I know. Anyways, if the Italians made that war movie, it would be about the Italians, right? Well, they didn't do so hot. So Canadians, <laughs> Canadians aren't making war movies no, about Americans. I, I know, or or I the know. British. I know. It's just it's, acknowledging their existence. It would be nice. Uh, but no, that's we don't need to go further down that road. Oh, we'll have that talk off the air. Yeah. <laughs> that's. We should do a bonus episode. <laughs> just us doing the American-Canadian. Just, just on that. Just the American-Canadian. Because that's what people... All of a sudden, people don't care anything about apologetics. They just want to hear us go at each other. <laughs> the war started in 39, folks. Okay, so moving on. Uh, no, no, one, no one questions that. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Okay, so the... Okay, so we have presuppositions, so these beliefs that we bring to the table. So these things that we, we believe are true, and sometimes whether or not we've tested them. Um, there's paradigms. Paradigms are more about patterns of thinking. So these are like, these are, are ways that we think about things, the ways that we filter information and communicate information that, again, shape our approach to life. So again, like we're very in our, in our current context. And for those of us who've grown up here and in our school system, like we're obviously very familiar with like the Western approach mm-hmm. to knowledge and communication. That is not the only one. That's not the way people even that's not even the way people used to think, let alone what people think currently in other parts of the world, let alone what people from other parts of the world who have now moved to this part of the world think. Right. So Again, these paradigms, like, again, just <laughs> our own way of, like, if you're like, oh, like, this is what I believe and I have all these, like, great arguments for it and I've, you know, got this all this whole system of, of you know, thought and logic kind of, like, mapped out, there are some people who will look at that and be like, that means nothing to me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, that again, a good thing to, to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also, I think, just the the personal factor. This is the, this is the, this is the subjective component. This is, like... This is just the individual personal experiences that we all have that shape us as well, shape how we think and feel and understand things. Um, and we can't forget that component either. We can't just label someone and say, oh, you're a Muslim, so I know exactly how you think and feel about all these things. It's like, no, yeah. you can't do that. Um, just like you couldn't do that with someone who claims to be a Christian or an atheist or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Muslims are not different than Christians in the way that just as many of them who are firmly devoted are also Muslim by culture and really couldn't tell you much of sure. what they actually believe or what a, a Muslim person believes anyway. Right, right. right. They right. practice Ramadan the same way that you practice 
Christmas and Easter, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it really doesn't mean much to them at all. And for you to come in and be like, well, did you know that when they'll just be like, I, I didn't. And to be okay. honest with you, my grandma's been trying to tell me that for years and I haven't been listening to her either. <laughs> right. right? Um, yep, yep, and, yep. and, and it can be a cultural thing and not necessarily a personal belief thing, yep. but it can also be something that a person is very passionate and studied on. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think again, before we close the episode, uh, there's there are some curveballs to this whole discussion about worldview that I think are worth acknowledging. Um, when it comes to the subject of like you know the you know worldviews being frameworks of how we answer those core questions, how we understand ourselves and the world around us, there there is a view that um, amongst some philosophers that like this this whole idea, this whole approach is wrong because i mean that's just kind of the modern way of approaching everything is like everything's garbage it's all totally wrong um i think there's some merit to that like again as we've said right like not kind of making a monolith not not just kind of painting with too broad of brush strokes right um so like there's some merit in saying okay sure there is there is a degree of individuality here Mm -hmm. but but also there are commonalities. Like they're just, they're just are. Sure. Even yeah. amongst, if you found a devout, like a devout Roman or a Russian Orthodox person, their worldview, they're going to share commonalities with our worldview. Mm-hmm. There's distinctions, but it's going to be pretty, we're going to be pretty well aligned on a whole lot of things. Yeah. I, I um, Almost on virtually all those most meaningful Christ, questions. Christians in Canada should should take a moment and and look at themselves in not in religious uh discussions as much but in societal discussions mm-hmm. you know when when you look at societal trends um or opportunities that are are out there and and people stand in opposition to things look around you yeah right like look to your left and look to your right it's mm-hmm. not all it's not all christians mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and in fact those people who are there who aren't christians aren't of European descent, Canadian-born people. Oftentimes, yeah, right? that's the case, yeah they're, yeah, yeah. they're people from other, you know, monotheistic in mm-hmm. most cases, but not in every case, mm-hmm. uh, religions. Yeah, and And sure. sharing, maybe not broader worldview concepts, but at least particular applications of, of yeah. worldview in a way that resonates with you and your worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, and I, I think... I think the evidence for why that would be the case just comes down to common grace. Mm-hmm. Sure. That, yeah. that there is a degree of exposure of who God is, that he is made available and evident amongst all people, that all people who are looking outside of themselves and outside of mankind for an answer mm-hmm. are coming up with similar kinds of of things as they receive that common grace. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Yep. The other, the other curveball, the second curveball is, um, is something we need to be aware of, particularly I would say in like modern Western society, um, is people who hold to conflicting systems, so mm-hmm. the idea of like syncretism. Right. 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 So I was reading in, in, uh, in actually in one of my philosophy books here, um, he cites an example of like following a car and on the car, there was like a playboy bunny sticker 
and also a, like one of those little statues of the Virgin Mary at the same mm-hmm. time. It's like, okay, these are these are mixed messages, right? Yep. We're sending, we're sending yep. mixed messages here. We're, we're venerating the Virgin Mary, but also we're going to put a, we have the audacity to put a Playboy bunny sticker on our car, right? So so that is a thing that exists, right? Like I, I like to call it the kind of the Oprah Winfrey approach to religion, right? Like a dash of Christianity, a dash of Deepak Chopra, a dash of, you know, new age, whatever, like yeah. it's just, it's, it's what it's, it's just kind of the, the smorgasbord, the buffet approach to spirituality. Um, and that is just a thing. Now that is indicative of, again, a particular worldview that, that tends to do that more mm-hmm. that, uh, that we'll get to, but that's just a thing that's also very real. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, when I, when I hear that, um, the thing that I come back to every single time, and, and I've mentioned it enough here to just be embarrassed by still using the analogy. Um, just the quick backstories. I've never seen the movie. Mm. I walked in the room while other people were watching the movie, saw two minutes of the movie, and walked out. And I've probably used this as an illustration in pastor in preaching and teaching more than anything else. Mm. Um, but in the movie The Mummy... Oh yeah. There's yeah. a tour guide. <laughs> yeah. Who has gotten to know all of these different cultures as he's been giving them guide guided tours through the Egyptian mm-hmm. uh tombs and everything. Um and as the mummy awakens and comes out, he's just like grabbing at stuff. He grabs like different cross, necklaces. He grabs his prayer beads, right? Like he's got all of these different things. <laughs> and then eventually he grabs his Star of David and says something in Hebrew. And uh, the the mummy stops and is like, oh, the language of the slaves or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I that's literally the entirety of the movie. That I understand its context that well is surprising a little bit even yeah. to me. Uh, no, that's good. But, but that's what it is when we get into secretism, right? Like yeah. what fits what fits the mood in the moment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna I'm gonna grab from that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Flavor of the week kind of stuff too, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the third curveball, which again, this is kind of the last one that kind of might throw a wrench into the mix to some degree of our of our upcoming conversations, is just kind of the what I would call the tolerance on steroids view mm-hmm. of like people who are. <laughs> Who aren't just tolerant, but are are so afraid of offending anyone, they will right. just refuse to plant a flag anywhere. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know. Like I don't like. And you're like, okay, well, like you, you just try to like, you just try to get them to like stand on anything, and they're like so terrified of potentially upsetting some hypothetical person that they will just refuse to take a stance. Um, and that is that is a thing. That oh exists. yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, man, that's a thing that Christians will do too. Oh yeah, we will. I mean, you know the scenario that I'm I'm referring to, but I've talked to senior pastors who would be like, we just don't take a stance on secondary issues. And I'm like, well, what about binary secondary issues? Yeah. Right? Like, yes or will no Will you answer. or will you not baptize right. an infant? He's like, we don't take a position on that. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> you have to have a position. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can't. No, no position. <laughs> okay. Right? And it becomes as though they, like hilariously, right? The the United Unitarian Church. Mm-hmm. What is that's not what it's called. What is it called? The Unitarian 
Universalist Unitarian Church. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Something yeah. like that. Anyway, yeah. like, they have a creed. Mm. And their creed says, we, we believe and tolerate all teachings. Right. So why a creed? Why do you make people sign off on the fact that all things are open to discussion? Right, right. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. That's planting people in a camp. So, And I've always wanted to call them up and be like, hey, can I come preach there? Only to have, because I know for a fact they would tell me no. Yeah. They'd be like, no. And I would say, why? And they would say, because you believe that you're right. And I would say, well, by telling me that, don't you believe that you're right? <laughs> so so I, I, I'm looking up this quote here because I used it in a paper recently. Um it's a little closer to home and a little bit more, at least for our Canadian listeners, the United Church of Canada's website on, mm-hmm. uh, on their statement of faith. So I looked, I looked it up, and uh, this is what their, their statement of faith says. This is like the, the first article. It says, Members are not required to adhere to any particular creed or formulation of doctrine. So, yeah, that's just what it is. That's, the, that's technically, at least at this point, not for long probably, but the largest denomination of Christianity in, mm-hmm. in Canada says that eh, no, you, you don't have to, you don't have to believe anything to be a member. To be a member, right? It's a, it's a and what I wrote in my paper is a church of relativism for a postmodern world where there is no standard apart from the rejection of standards. And uh, and then I talk about how it's such a radical departure from biblical Christianity that we're not even going to talk about it anymore. And then I move on because <laughs> it's a comparative view of like other like within Christianity, mm-hmm. but I kind of mention it and be like, but that's so nothing. It's so amorphous. It's so just lowest common denominator to the nth degree that like we're, we just, we can't even compare it because it, there's nothing, there's just nothing there. There's no substance yeah. there. And to be so honest with you, on. <laughs> to be honest with you, of all of the, th- of all of the things that you might feel intimidated by, mm. You would be better off speaking to someone who has multiple PhDs in their alternative worldview mm. than to speak to someone in this position. Yeah. <laughs> because you, it's you, spinning your wheels. What do you even do with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, be answer, to be honest with you, I don't know. I really, when I find myself in those situations, yeah. I often find myself sitting there going, I should I should know what to say, what to say. I don't know what to say to this. I just feel lost. <laughs> yeah. There there's a sense in which like yeah, like I I feel like in a weird way I have more in common with a Muslim imam than a United Church pastor sometimes. Yeah. Which is wild. Mm-hmm. Right? But like it's like, well, at least they believe in right and wrong. <laughs> like, at least they can put a well, put I, a we, put a lid no, on it. No, no you're right. Sorry, because that's a that. that's a moral that's, statement. That's true. At least they believe they believe in the God they claim to represent. Right. In the and in, in, in the historical claims of their text. Yeah. They believe in the historical claims of their text. They believe in in the histor- historicity of the supernatural, um, and the and and the you know, revelation from God as being a trustworthy source of, mm-hmm. of knowledge. And right. yeah, sorry, I went too far there. I, I slipped yeah. into being a jerk. So sorry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> if you're still here, thanks oh. for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Take care. Next time we'll talk about Islam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>